Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pendola Project. As always, I'm your host, Matt Pendola. Aaron and I, we have a very special guest that has come on for Monday Motivation for a three-part series. And this is Dr. Naomi Albertson. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a sports medicine doc specializing more in overuse injuries, and she's helped a lot of our athletes over the years, and we thought it'd be great if she could give some of her insight to help you. She did her fellowship at Stanford University in sports medicine, and she's also board certified by the American Board of Family Medicine. She went to medical school at Tufts University School of Medicine. So lots of lots of experience, a, a huge background with her, with our athletes, and even for herself. She was she was quite the gymnast when she was younger, and then took a lot of what she knew and her experience into her practice. So I really think that you have a lot that you'll learn from listening to Naomi in this three part series. The, the first part is more about how to get to your goals and uh, why. And, and that's so important to start off with knowing the why. So, of course, we talked a lot about that. The second part of the series, we talked a little bit more about training, you know, just the basics about warming up and what type of warm-ups we should do and how we should warm up and why it's important to do those things properly and with intent and have a plan for your strength training and some specifics there as to what strength protocols we like to follow and why. And then finally, in the third part of the series, we talked a little bit more about the nutrition behind it. And all of this centers more around aging athletes, people who are 40 and 50 and 60 and beyond, people who want to get back to health or people who want to continue their health as they age. But really, again, I think that this applies to everyone. Hopefully you guys will get a lot out of this. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Don't forget, you can go to our website at pendolatraining.com, email Aaron, Aaron at pendolatraining.com. Okay, here's the show. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are talking about basic beginner type of training for individuals that are a little bit on an age. So what is a very basic warm-up type of protocol that you like to do with your athletes, Aaron? I would say, and this really is for anybody, not just, you know, as we age and become masters, as we like to call our, our, our group, um, warm-ups should be exactly that, warming up. Uh, you don't want to do something too intense right off the bat, but we do like to get in some CNS, some central nervous system work to wake your body up. Um, and then I always like to work in your accessory movements, mobility movements, I also can use that time if I'm saying in my small group of three and each person has their specific corrective protocol that they need. Um, I also like to work a little bit of that into the warm up as well. Uh, yeah, that's that's a great start to this conversation. I think one thing to simplify the conversation for people listening is body temperature. If I think about my client sweating 
just getting their body temperature up enough that I know that they're heated up, they're ready to go, they're more prepared, as opposed to that, like, when I first started out, I have to admit, being younger, taking my youth for granted, I would just even do workup sets, like if I'm going to do, let's say, the bench press, and my first set would just be a lighter bench press, and that was part of my warm-up. Now, we know better these days, and I certainly wish I had taken more time, 10 minutes when I was younger, to do that and save my shoulder. But now I know better, and I certainly make sure that all my athletes do that. And by the way, when I say athletes, I'd like to clarify that athletes are anybody listening right now. You're all athletes. It's the term I prefer to use instead of that silly functional training term. We could talk into a rabbit hole about that. But we're athletes. We, we are born to move, and we're going to move more, and that's going to really contribute to our overall health. So you're all athletes listening right now. Dr. Albertson, any ideas on your end about how you like your clients to warm up? You know, it's an interesting question. I get asked a lot about static warm-ups and whether I should just start with stretching. And of course, the research has shown that that's not a great way to go, that you need to actually get your body temperature up first um, and then start doing more dynamic types of warm-ups. Static stretching absolutely leads to more injuries. Um, and so, I mean, I'm right in line with you guys. I think warming up that body temperature before you get into those sets is, is super important. Absolutely. And knowing your body, knowing what you need, knowing your history. Now, I, I will say that if you are not aware of how to get your shoulder feeling a little bit more uh, mobile and, and centigrated, or, or in other words, feeling like you're greasing that groove a little bit easier, you can always hire a professional, do an evaluation with you. But there's also a lot of great content online that you can see on YouTube these days. It's a wonderful thing. If you're looking for good overall general warmups, though, I would just say getting out there and walking or getting on the bike and elevating your body temperature a little bit. Uh, those are basic things. They're low level and everybody can do those. Now, some, some of my athletes can certainly do, let's say something like the jump rope really efficiently and effectively. And for them, that is low level. They're not jamming their joints because they know how to essentially like pogo off the ground and be a stiff spring, for example. But for most people, I think just walking is tremendous. Um, doing a little bit of biking, but don't, you don't have to spend 15, 20 minutes, uh, or an hour. I see people basically warming up the entire time and then it's time to go. So you, you want to probably cap it off somewhere around 10 minutes. And I would say personally, not less than five is what I have noticed works really well. And again, to the point where you have a little bit of a sweat going. And then finally, what I would say is that you want to stick with maybe something like med ball um, throw to the wall, where you have a very light activation going on with a light med ball, I'm saying. And that's just going to get your rhythm going, your coordination going. So I'm, I'm a big fan of doing some med ball drills like that. If you can throw it against the wall in the, in the gym, then go for something like that. Matt and Aaron, do you guys have any of these warm-ups on your website or places where people can look to kind of get some ideas about, you know, how to do their warm-up appropriately? Yes. Yeah, so through our training app, actually, that we've, we've been working on for, well, it's been coming up on a year now. Um, so it's really coming together, but we have tons of 
options on there and I actually have my current clients that will see me in the gym for their regular training it's been a great way to put their um, their personal protocol for them to do at home so if they don't you know necessarily want to have a sheet of paper they want to remember it they go on the app and they have their all their movements that they need to do so it's a great easy effective way to get people to do their stuff daily instead of you know once a week perfect so for these listeners that are listening today like where do they go to get that information um you can email me erin at pendolatraining.com and then from there i give you an invite and you can um, get set up with the program that way so yeah and our website pendolatraining.com you can't actually access the app through there that's why i ask people to email me because i have to send them a yeah send, send you an invite but then from there it's all right on your phone or your computer and yeah as easy as easy as we can make it for you yeah and of course your email address is on the uh the website too so absolutely and okay we're going to get into sets now though and uh this is uh getting a little bit more specific so what kind of uh what kind of breakdown do we have for our sets do we start off with something that's more aerobic or anaerobic what do we like to do for our sets in the beginning of our training generally more aerobic because still sticking with that yes you did your warm-up but we do tend to start more with the aerobics because generally it takes you a little still a little bit longer you know you still want to work into that more towards the anaerobic at the end of the workout that's how we usually end our five minutes of fun that's something that's a little more intense and demanding cardiovascularly we save that for the for the end of it to really finish out with some with some fun stuff that way I can never have this conversation without talking about high-intensity training versus something that's more <laughs> steady state. Uh, because it, it really does, I, even if you've heard this before, it's worth repeating. If you're doing high-intensity work and the purpose of that is for performance, that is going to be something that's more anaerobic uh, generally. And you're going to go very hard for generally three to maybe ten seconds. And that's about it. And then you have plenty of recovery time. So if you are talking about somebody who is trying to improve coordination and performance, which is or can still be aging athletes, then in that case, again, I'll take that med ball and they warmed up with it. But now I am going to go faster with them in that movement to something they're controlling, but they are working a bit on speed. And I see that their form tends to clean up quite nicely but only 10 seconds at a time, and then they will take even the remainder of that minute off. That will be at the beginning of their training, but before they pick up the weights and before they start lifting a little bit heavier. So again, they're not overly fatigued, and we get the purpose of cleaning up that coordination. What about you, Naomi? I was just going to comment on, you know, one thing that I've heard Matt and Aaron say over, you know, many years of working with them both is that, you know, you never want to overload dysfunction. And I think that's just critical to, you know, to emphasize here because, you know, we are talking about athletes who are older than 40. The strength building process is different than when you were younger, as is the recovery. And so I think really focusing on that and like Matt was just alluding to, like 10 second intervals. I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners are out, out there doing 10 second intervals. Because I would say, you know, in my world, I see the injury side, and that's usually not 10-second intervals. That's, you know, overloading dysfunction. Um, and I mean that, you know, whether it's going for a run, it's not doing interval training there, not recovering as part of that aerobic training, right? 
so like you know you're alluding to a really important concept i think which is high intensity in a controlled fashion that is not overloading dysfunction causing pain causing injury and so i think like just you know maybe aaron you could kind of give us your two cents on that too about you know like what types of sets can be done and where do people find good information? Because I feel like, unfortunately, there's a ton of garbage out there. Yeah, traditionally it was you're going to do 15 reps of this movement at this weight. And even if, say, someone got to rep 11 and the last four reps are total junk, they're going to do it because they're going to get to 15 <laughs> reps right. regardless. So right. we have kind of gone to what we'll call time under tension. And I know that's not a new concept overall, but to get into that idea of, I'm going to give you one minute and you're going to do this movement for one minute. I don't care if you get five reps. I don't care if you get 12 reps. I just want you to use that minute and each rep is a focused, good, clean rep. And my job as the coach is when I see somebody say they get to that, you know, 40 second mark and they start to fall apart. Well, that's okay. You're done then at 40 seconds or you rest and you can maybe get in another two reps if possible. So I think that's been extremely helpful um, to clean up some of that misconception of like, well, I have to hit this certain rep mark under the certain weight. Even like I said, if the last few reps are just complete junk, it's like, well, that's, we don't want to even have any of that. So I'll, that's, I would say that probably my clients get annoyed, but once your form goes, then you need to stop. And there's no point in pushing past that. If it works for you, that's, I, I will repeat that till the end of my days. So getting back to the jump rope scenario, I have athletes that can be at a very aerobic and controlled heart rate jumping rope with extreme efficiency and effectiveness. And then I have other clients that as soon as they get rid of the jump rope and they're more in like a pogo type of fashion, they can control that. And then I have other athletes that aren't ready for that yet. And so it just really, it does depend on experience and of course history and things like that. But I will finish this, at least my side of the talk with, with this is it's about value versus volume. That's the way I think of time under tension. And in, if I can get my athlete to understand that I love what you just said about just focusing on good quality and just giving a time, but also within that time, let's just call it a minute and say, you're going to do this for a minute. I didn't give you reps. I gave you a minute now, especially when you're training with somebody else or in a group, that means that maybe one person is doing twice the reps or so, and maybe they want to work at a faster pace. Maybe that is part of their tempo. But in general, I think tempo is often misunderstood and even neglected. So the point to that is if I can really get my athletes to focus on quality and slow those reps down and start to really own and coordinate those movements, then we're going to see much, much better reflection of their movement patterns, not only for that archetype, but also for other existing movement patterns in their life that are arguably much more important because that's what they're doing most of the time. So if we want to improve things like somebody's natural walking gait and their, their hip is always falling out of place and their knee hurts, but now we're really working on that focused stability pattern through the hip while they're doing these movements, now that shows up in their gait or much more likely to do so if we keep repeating these patterns effectively. So 
I mean, it sounds like what you guys are saying is that, you know, everybody, everybody really needs to warm up. So get their body temperature up. And then, like you mentioned, Erin, you're going to start more with the aerobic part of the workout. So, I mean, a lot of our 40 and older, your, you know, patients and my patients, your clients are, you know, they have full-time jobs. Now yeah. they have kids at home. They've got, you know, a lot to juggle. So, I mean, if you had to cram this workout into a 30-minute workout, right. like, what's your breakdown? How, how are you going to, you know, divide that, those sets between aerobic and anaerobic? That's a really good question. The time does offer some um, challenges because we, like you said, we're all dealing, especially, I mean, prior to COVID, but especially now with things, you know, being still not a set schedule all the time. You never know what's going to happen. Um, keeping the importance of, like, like not rushing through things like you're saying the recovery because I know that does people that tend to have less time they don't want to recover because they're like I just need to I just need to get this done so I'm right. just gonna I'm just gonna push 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 um and I will admittedly you know have as I've gotten older and more educated I take more recovery now with myself because I used to be the same way like I'm just gonna get it done but so that being said breaking it down definitely spending the quality warm-up like we said probably yeah, I usually say with like seven minutes less 10 minutes or less so that gives you the warm-up mm -hmm. um, you can have a good 10 to 15 minute where you're still you know you're getting your your main workout in maybe that last five minutes of the more intense the anaerobic five three to five minutes of fun we'll call it at the end where that's your where you get to really push yourself and you get to you know just get it get it all out there leave nothing nothing left there and then you know a good five minute cool down awesome so i mean that's a, that's like your 30 minute workout your 30 right minutes there. yes yeah, that's yeah. awesome yeah and i just want to talk about the anaerobic versus aerobic uh thought process too because i think for example something like box jumps that or even what i was describing before isn't necessarily going into anaerobic to me it's a lactic in other words you don't really have to even breathe during that that time right. because it's under 10 seconds and so to me taking 30 to 50 seconds off or even 70 seconds off to, to depending on the intensity of the movement that is an aerobic effort overall you're you're not actually trying to constantly uh you know fight that that lactate threshold, for example. So that's a different stimulus to me. And that's why you do that more in the beginning when you have the, uh, the energy, but then you start to strength train and you load your system up and you start to get a little bit more fried out. And then you finish with five minutes of fun. That's what we call it. We call it fun. Yeah. We call it fun. <laughs> we try. Yeah. Fun. Some people are like, you and I, we have different ideas of fun. We but. know this isn't fun. <laughs> Uh, but, but again, you know, that's where I might go to something like battle ropes, for example. I'm not going to box jumps for five minutes yeah, of fun. Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't need to be something too technically demanding. Right. So, because uh -huh. you're already, you know, fatigued at that right. point. So, when I say the fun part, to me, that is fun. Like, doing battle ropes with your partner and trying to beat the number that you got or we'll have them on Absolutely. the, the Versa Climber. Like, let's see if you guys can get to 1,000 vertical feet in five minutes. Or, or you know, there, there right. are some, quote, unquote, fun ways to do that where you're not going to worry about someone getting injured in that last part of their workout. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're pretty good about 
controlling the effort so we know that that person again if it works for you but or if it's a group that everyone can do it but without doing it with defeated mechanics at that point because we know they're going to go into that hurt zone and we want them to get comfortable being uncomfortable we want that stimulus for them but we also just want to do it at the right timing and if we did that at the beginning they'd be so blown out everything else finish quality yeah for the main the part of your workout that you want to focus on. I like this. Now, I have one final question for Dr. Albertson, though. Sure. So one thing that I have always noticed, Aaron and all of my other athletes, they they, they like to train hard, Okay. okay? And my job is usually to try to pull them back, pull back the reins, <laughs> right? Good luck. Right? Well, exactly, <laughs> exactly, right? And, uh, and so that's, for me, I do, in this case, think about men and women a little bit differently, but I really want your opinion on this. I think that my men, higher testosterone, they, and they have more ego in general, and they, they need more rest time between sets, they're going to lift heavier in general per set than my average pound for pound relative to my average female athlete. That makes sense. So they, they will do less overall um, sets in a training session. But my female athletes, they have higher estrogen. Mm-hmm. So they recover faster, and they tend to do a little less rest and and a little less weight, but still what's relatively heavy for them, but still not maybe as maximal. And that seems to produce great results training my female athletes with a little bit higher uh, overall sets, lower a little bit lower weight, and then vice versa for my males. What what do you think about that? So I'm going to cite my mentor, Stacy Sims, who is PhD in exercise physiology, who very clearly says women are not just small men. And I think she's dead on. I mean, the exercise physiology, of course, behind the differences, the fat storage, the carbohydrate utilization, the protein, all of it. I mean, I think obviously we're, you're seeing the, you know, training differences between men and women. And I think, you know, the exercise physiology proves, of course, what you're seeing. Um, I think, you know, motivation is individual. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) And so I don't know that that's something that, you know, you can really, I I don't know. I don't know that I would take that uh, to like, you know, men or women or, you know, one one way or the other. I think it's an individual issue. But I think it is interesting. I mean, that you're seeing those differences in training. um, And and I think for sure they do pan out, you know, through the exercise phys studies for sure. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, and uh, at least for me, you answered uh, that question. It's been in the back of my mind for a while, but it was more instinct with me. So I'm glad to get your professional opinion on that. And I do feel like your son, for example, we were talking about your 12-year-old son, who's he's, he's yet to develop uh, some of the, well, look at hormone levels, right? So right. in that case, I, I tend to train um, a lot more similarly with my female and uh, male athletes when they're, say, 12 and younger. Sure. Um, but then, like you said, it, it does differ per person, and it, and it can be different as far as recovery levels go, how much a person is uh, working a week, how much you know sleep they're getting. So it's not like all female athletes will recover faster than all male athletes. So that's right. a good point, too. Right. 
I guess I have um, a question for you guys. I mean, just as you guys are amazing coaches, and obviously we have so many clients in, you know, in um, common, but I guess, you know, I have a lot of patients that will come to me and they're like, you know, they've never gotten better with physical therapy for some injury. They feel like, you know, they've gone through rounds and rounds of physical therapy, and, you know, I often will send them to you guys because your ability to break down mechanics is so good. And then, like you're saying, like kind of getting people in tune with this process of you have to warm up. Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to overload this dysfunctional motion that you're doing. We're going to strengthen around it. So, you know, like for people out there, I mean, we're talking to this audience out there of older than 40. Like, how do they get to you or to somebody who's high quality? Because, again, I mean, it's so conflicting out there. You know, you can watch YouTube video after YouTube video and continue to get injured, you know? And so, I mean, you know, if people out there wanted to contact you guys, is it just through your email? Is it through, you know, your website? Like, how do they reach out? Yeah, the best way is to email me directly because I, I handle all the the administrative side of that that process. So, yeah, getting in touch with me, Erin, at PendulaTraining.com, and then from there, you know, depending on who the client is, we can say they would be best off working with me or maybe they're going to go to Matt for the time and then come to me after. And then if that includes, you know, some body work, if that's part of the plan, then that same kind of same situation, it might be Matt for certain things or me, yeah. um, depending on the client. So, and yeah. Getting and if they're listening from, you know, the East Coast today, yes. like, can they still do that? Absolutely. That would be obviously the online option of through our app. Um, we'd always like to do a phone consult first because you know it is it is different you know not being face to face and being able to see someone right. move um of course there's always the option of some video chat if it is something more specific like i just can't i need to see what you're talking about um that's always an option as well awesome yeah and i think that there's depending on what the client's needs are that's where there can be some extreme variables and differences on what type of training and what type of trainer that you need. So I was describing to you, Naomi, just before we started this today, that I spent about six hours on one particular athlete's program. And I, I will say that she is a very, very high, high level, the, the highest level athlete that, that you can get. And I think that if I took on one of your clients with hip pain or, or as, as Aaron often does, cause she takes a lot of the corrective type of exercise training programs from, uh, from you. Uh, it should be the same amount of attention. It should be the same, uh, care and, and uh, you should have a, a proper evaluation. So when you go out there looking for a trainer, first of all, if they're not giving you an evaluation or if you're in a PT program and they haven't spent one-on-one -on -one time with you figuring you out, move on, find absolutely. another, right? Yep, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I say to a lot of my patients too, like if you're, if you're going to a trainer and not only have they not done an evaluation, but they are scheduling you out for sessions that are, you know, endless and you don't really know what you're getting, that's a problem. I mean, and honestly, I mean, you should you should have a great program that, frankly, your trainer is going to, hopefully, like you guys are, is, hey, you want to take this on your own? Go ahead. You know, you're making space for somebody else right. to come in. Right. And there are those people that prefer that. 
right. you know that they'll come see me once a week but the rest they're good they're good doing it on their own they like that freedom and honestly the financial burden isn't as high because right. they're not seeing me um and then uh, another point on that where you're saying like how to pick somebody that's good yes having a plan i always tell my clients like if you want to ask me why you're doing this movement if i don't have an answer for you as to why we're doing this particular thing then you know i didn't really think about it so i give you have the right at any point in time to ask me well why would you give me that like what's the point of me doing this specific movement so that's also something for anybody whether you're trainer pt whatever that you should be able to um, ask that question and get a good solid answer. Awesome. Absolutely. So to just wrap this up, I realized that uh, in the when we were talking about the training session itself, we uh, didn't talk about the cool down and the body the body work part of it. And my answer is pretty simple. When it comes to cool downs, I will generally work on some kind of a decompression type of movement uh, that that revolves around the the hip and shoulder girdle, the spine in order to uh, allow the body to start recovering. A lot of times it just comes down to something simple like box breathing methods where you're just trying to get your breathing, your breathing even. But that's also when I tend to do a little bit more um, like rolling out. And so decompression that way. Um, I like to use a basketball actually. And you can deflate the basketball. You can make it a little bit more tension by putting more air into it. But you can find the right compression that works for you. But it rolls with your body much, much better and a much better flow, I feel like. So a lot of times I will have my athletes use uh, a basketball to decompress as they're working with their box breathing. And that's just basically breathing in through their nose for about a five count breathing back out again through their nose for a five count they breathe out and they cinch their belly button in like it's hitting cold water in in a, in a lake so that is kind of a couple minutes of that and then they're uh, good to go they're good to um, move on with their day I, I don't like just like warm up I don't like it to go on forever otherwise it probably won't get done Okay, well, thank you guys for listening. That is part two of our series, and we hope you'll tune in for part three coming up next. Yeah, man.